Hi, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Monday Check-In. Today is Monday, April 6th, according to the little thing in the bottom right-hand corner of my computer. My name is Damon Heitman. I am one of the pastors at First Presbyterian Church in Hastings, Nebraska, joined by... Greg Allen Pickett, one of the other pastors of First Presbyterian Church in Hastings, Nebraska, and we are glad to be here with you today. And I'm also glad to be uh, hanging out virtually with uh, Damon. It's nice to see you, man. Yeah, this is always good, isn't it? Yeah. It's always good to see me. <laughs> That's what I tell people. That's the first line of my resume. It's always good to see me. Um, so uh, this is the Monday check-in. We started doing this. Uh, this is maybe the third edition of this. Uh, so we'll, we'll share a couple of announcements, a few things from the life of the church that we want people to kind of be aware of, put on their radar, and then we'll dive into a little bit of scripture for this coming Sunday. Um, and actually this week, it's taking a look at scripture for all during the week because this is Holy Week. And so uh, we have lots of stuff uh, that we could potentially talk about. This will be about a three-hour Monday check-in, I'm guessing. So... Go pop some popcorn, grab yourself a cup of coffee, and settle in. <laughs> yeah, make the second pot of coffee and get going. Um, so, uh, so with those sort of things said and done, then, uh, Greg, what what should we be aware of? So what's going on in the life of the church? Well, obviously, we have our uh, Monday check-in here. Uh, and as we've gotten in the rhythm, we will also have our Wednesday Kids Corner. So I invite you to... Uh, Keep an eye out both via your email and social media for whatever Steph Brader will be producing for our children and families. And then there will be a Friday feature as well. But this is also Holy Week. And so we would normally have a lot of services planned this week. And we will do that as we would, uh, except not having you all gathering with us in the sanctuary. But Pastor Damon and I have quite a uh, lineup of services planned, starting with our uh, Maundy Thursday service. Monday Thursday service is that service that Jesus uh, did the foot washing with his disciples and also celebrated a meal with them. And so we will have a service reflecting on that foot washing and on that meal on Thursday at 7 p.m. So if you can tune in to join us Thursday at 7 p.m., we invite you to do that. If you can't tune in Thursday at 7 p.m. because you've got a show that you need to watch or some other thing that keeps you from that, uh, we will also be posting our Monday Thursday service on our Facebook page and send out the link so you can catch that later. Uh, Friday is Good Friday. And uh, so Pastor Damon and I will be doing a Good Friday service at noon from the sanctuary. Uh, again, you're invited to join us on Facebook Live for the Good Friday service noon on Friday. And then that one will also be posted to the Facebook so uh, and to our social media and sent out as a link. So if you missed it at noon on Friday, you can catch that later in the day as well. Uh, we historically have done our Good Friday service both at noon and at 7 p.m. for those who are working. And so if you want to log in at 7 p.m. and watch it, you can do that as well. Now, uh, one thing we've had to change is our Easter vigil. Uh, we've historically had an Easter vigil where people come into the chapel and pray for our time slots that they start for the Good Friday service and they go all the way through to Easter morning. Uh, because of the social distancing restrictions and also because we can't clean and sanitize the chapel between each visitor, we're going to go ahead and encourage our whole congregation to participate in the Easter prayer vigil. That's all of us. And so sometime between sundown on Friday and Easter morning, you are invited to carve out some time to pray. 
You can do that for five minutes. You can do that for 30 minutes. You can do it for an hour. We had about 10 people who were signed up for the prayer vigil. You can still pick those times, but we want our whole congregation to be spending uh, from the end of Good Friday through Easter morning in prayer because our, our world needs that prayer right now. And so for Holy Saturday, we're going to invite all of you to pray, and we're also going to send out some resources for you. And so the Friday email that will go out that will include the recording of our Friday feature will also include a link to a packet of prayer resources. And we're going to invite all of you to go ahead and be praying with us uh, from the end of Good Friday at sundown through Easter morning, and you'll have lots of resources with which to do that. So that's what uh, what the Holy Week will look like, and then we'll have Easter Sunday. Uh, we will celebrate Christ's glorious resurrection. We won't do it gathered physically together as a family, but we will be gathered in heart, and we will be gathered in spirit. Um, we've got the cathedral brass lined up to be playing in the sanctuary, as well as our amazing organist, Linda. And so you're going to see a lot of wonderful music, uh, as you would normally with our normal Easter uh, celebration. And uh, Pastor Damon and I will be leading the service, and we're very excited to share Easter with you. Even though it's going to be digitally, it's still going to be a glorious celebration of Christ's resurrection. So we invite you to join us on Sunday at 10.30. Really, tune in at 10.25, because uh, Linda's got a phenomenal prelude lined up for you as well. So starting Sunday at 10.25 for Easter Sunday. Damon, did I get all of our announcements? I think so. Um, sure, probably. <laughs> if not... You'll get an email about it, I'm sure. There you go. <laughs> so, uh, one, you mentioned some prayer resources. One of the prayer resources that people currently have available to them is the Equipping and Sustaining Lenten Devotional Guide uh, that we produced uh, for, for the season of Lent this year. And before we dive into our scripture, I would like to read a prayer that was written by Kalen Sonkson, um, who is... Uh, What's the technical term for she's? She is an inquirer for ministry. She is under care of our congregation as an inquirer for ministry in the Presbyterian Church ordination process. Kaylin was a Hastings College student who graduated a couple of years back and just finished her first year at Austin Presbyterian Seminary. And our church is shepherding her through that process along with our presbytery. Yeah. And so this was a prayer that she had written for today, April 6th. Let us join together in prayer. Giver of light, life, and love, why must we face darkness, death, and hatred? This path we call life is windy, tumultuous, and treacherous. The difficulties we face overwhelm us, but you, O God of mercy, are always there to raise us up and remind us that where there is despair, there is hope. Our journeys may drag us down, but with you on our side, there is hope for a future ruled by love. We will rejoice in the gift you have given us and our ability to work towards it. Amen. Amen. And our scripture this week, we have sort of selected portions of the Holy Week um, narrative. These are all coming to us from the Gospel of John. And so we start in the 13th chapter. This is... Um, Jesus has gathered with the disciples um, to share to share a meal uh, when this when this thing happens. This is uh, the thirteenth chapter, verses three through five. And during supper, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into His hands and that He had come from God and was going to God, 
got up from the table, took off his outer robe, and tied a towel around himself. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was tied around him. And the story continues on. Jesus does a little bit of preaching there as well. And he goes through this mock trial and um, the events of Good Friday that we probably know really well. And we get to John chapter 19, verses 16 through 18. Then Pilate handed him over to be crucified. They took, so they took Jesus, and carrying the cross by himself, he went out to what is called the place of the skull, which in Hebrew is called Golgotha. There they crucified him, and with him two others, one on either side, with Jesus between them. Uh, Jesus then uh, dies and is buried, and we return to the story in the 20th chapter of John, verses 1 through 10. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we do not know where they have laid him. Then Peter and the other disciple set out and went toward the tomb. The two were running together, but the disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent down to look in and saw the linen wrappings lying, wrappings lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb. He saw the linen wrappings, wrappings lying there, and the cloth that had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple, who reached the tomb first, also went in, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scriptures, that he must rise from the dead. The disciple, then the disciples returned to their, own, to their homes. Amen. Amen. So a little bit of the Holy Week snippets. Uh, we get up to the, to the empty tomb. Greg, what do you got? I want to hear you say linen wrappings a few more times. <laughs> wrappings, wrappings lying there. Wrappings. <laughs> All the wrappings were there. <laughs> yeah, I, you, your uh, pastoral journey didn't take you through the south as mine did. And so I would have expected something like that coming out of a, like the linen wrappings that you see lying on the tomb. Uh, but uh, but there. There, the boy from Iowa who did his seminary in Minnesota and uh, pastored in Minnesota and Nebraska somehow slipped into that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was just trying to make it shorter. I thought it was getting a little long. I thought rappings was shorter than rappings, you know? Beings <laughs> is enough. a long syllable. Fair enough. Uh, wow. So starting with uh, the Monday Thursday uh, passage, and, and I love the the small snippet that you pulled out here, Damon, just cuts right to the chase. Uh, Jesus, knowing the Father had given all things into his hands and he was going to God, got up from the table, took off his outer robe, tied a towel around himself, poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and wipe them with the towel tied around them. And uh, this is one of the most powerful images in the Bible for me uh, relative to Jesus' ministry. In fact, when we were over in the Holy Land in October, uh, one of the things that they do over there is make uh, olive wood carvings. And so uh, when this whole thing is over, 
I invite any of you who are listening to come into my office because sitting on the table where I hold meetings in my office is an olive wood carving of the scene of um, Jesus washing his disciples' feet. That uh, is, oh, here it is. Yeah, I'm sorry. I was seeing something else. Yeah, and uh, Damon has to stare at that every time he comes into my office for a meeting. Uh, but I, I have it there intentionally for me to stare at every time that I'm meeting with people because this vision of servant leadership that Jesus shows uh, through taking off his outer robe, tying the towel around his waist, getting on his knees, and washing his disciples' feet to me is, is one of the most powerful images of what it means to be a leader in the way of Christ. Um, and leading means serving. Leading means caring for other people in a very visceral, physical, incarnational way of actually touching people's dirty feet and washing them. And I just love that image. It's a powerful image to me, and it's one that is very meaningful in my own faith journey, in my own understanding of what Christian leadership is all about. And I love that we return to the story every year for Holy Week, uh, for Monday, Thursday. Yeah, it, uh, it ties into that. Later in the story, Jesus um, offers, would, does he say that it's a new commandment, or does he just say that it's a new, it's just a commandment that he gives? No, a new commandment I give you, that you love yeah. one another, yeah. You know, yeah, that you love one another as I have loved you, right? Um, it, it, it leads into that um, quite quite clearly, and obviously it also reminds me of the idea of um, what, what earthly good is your faith, right? Your faith has to have some earthly good to it as well, right? That it... Um, that, that faith and following the path of Jesus or attempting to follow the path of Jesus is not, uh, is not simply um, a, a way of, of making a plan for what comes next, right? That it's not, there's not, a, there's not an afterlife focus to this piece of, of scripture. This is, this is a this life focus. This is a what, what earthly good are we doing? for one another or for strangers or um or that sort of thing yeah and that notion of love one another just as i have loved you and he's demonstrated exactly what that love looks like right and it's just it's all condensed in this one short chapter in john but is a beautiful summary of uh the christian life and the christian message and the way of christ if you will mm -hmm. um that love is a tangible love it's a love that truly cares for others, even people um, that we may have issues with, right? Because it doesn't say that Jesus skipped past Judas's feet. He washed right. the feet of all of his disciples, knowing full well that Judas was about to betray him, and yet, uh, and knowing that Peter was about to deny him, and I mean, we could go on and on, and yet there Jesus was uh, taking up the towel, bending down and washing their feet. So... Yeah, I mean, within that within that same chapter, we didn't read it. Um, it is that Jesus they share as they're sharing the meal. Jesus talks about one of you is going to betray me, <laughs> but but still shares the meal with them, right. um, and that's one of the things that I oftentimes think about during, particularly during Holy Week, 
um, and Monday, Thursday, and Good Friday as well is how many times do we, and one of the beautiful things about communion in general is how many times do we let one another down? Uh, how many times do we just disappoint one another or are outright hurtful to one another or we gossip about one another or um, just do all sorts of little, little cut down things to each other. Um, and yet we still, we still gather around that common table um, and the, the table of forgiveness, the table of love, um, the table of hospitality, but um, just the, that sense of, this is a whole, this is a whole scene, right? Um, in the same way that our lives are whole lives. Like they're not just filled with the good things. Uh, they're also filled with the painful things and they're filled with the disappointing things and the hurtful things as well. Uh, and and the, the, the Christian faith is that as well. It is, it is a whole faith and that it, it speaks to all of these things. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, quite a powerful image, um, for sure. And mm -hmm. one that, uh, like I said, I just, I'm grateful we, re we revisit every year. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, and then, of course, we sort of transition from the Monday Thursday uh, into, you know, that second little statement of scripture is very much Good Friday. Um, uh, they, they took Jesus handed him over to be crucified and sure enough, he was crucified. Um, and I, and you know, the author of the gospel of John includes here, this, um, there they crucified him and with him, two others, one on either side with Jesus between them. Um, which reminds us that <clears throat> Jesus was not the only person to have been crucified. Uh, crucifixion was, was for, I don't know, any political dysenteries. It was for criminals. It was for, uh, so the sense that um, here again, we have Jesus sharing in, sharing in the life of people, knowing what it, knowing that experience um, to be, to be crucified. Yeah, it's an interesting thing I'll, I'll reference our our trip to the holy land again um there's a little dispute within the city of jerusalem as to where the actual spot of crucifixion was and where jesus tomb was uh so the historically accepted site is uh under the roof of a church called the church of the holy sepulcher uh and under the roof of one church you have uh, what they said was Golgotha, the, the skull hill, um, and the spot where those three crosses were hanging or, or were, were in, based in the ground. And um, you walk up some stairs in the church and you go up to this hill and you look at where maybe Jesus' cross was. And you walk back down the stairs and you can go under the hill and you can see that the the ground there was split. So they, they, they have this viewing window and you can actually see a crack in the rock where they think that uh, at the moment of Jesus' death, the, the earth split. 
And then not even 200 yards away from that, under the roof of the same church, you have what they believe was Jesus' tomb. And this is the historically understood site of where Jesus was crucified and where Jesus was buried. Uh, and the Church of the Holy Sepulchre has been there, I think, since like 600 AD. So this is where we've historically understood it. But there were some British archaeologists there in the 1800s uh, who read the scriptures, read the descriptions, and specifically this John description that says that they were outside of the city. And the Church of the Holy Sepulchre is right in the heart of Old Jerusalem. Right. And so uh, there's a contradiction there, or a tension, if you will. Mm-hmm. And so this, these British archaeologists in the 1800s found this other site, which is two miles away, mile and a half away from the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, but not in the confines of old Jerusalem, where they think there, there, is, a, there is a hill that has the shape of a skull, and then there are tombs that are there where people were buried. Mm-hmm. And so um, they call this the garden tomb area, and our group visited both places. And the Church of the Holy Sepulchre is visited by all pilgrims who go to the Holy Land. And so inside this church, you've got people standing shoulder to shoulder, and it's tight, and it's crowded, and almost a little hard to have sort of a holy experience. But this garden tomb, which is a mile and a half away, is in a slightly less chaotic part of Jerusalem. And it's a garden, and there's a a spot where you overlook and see the the hill of Golgotha and then another spot where you go into a sort of a recreation of what could have been the tomb. And it's, it brought the story into a physical space for me in the same way that you were talking about the story, Jesus being with these two other people who were crucified. We walk in the physical spaces where Jesus may have been and it, it made the story that much more real for those of us who were on the trip. And, and hopefully we've carried some of that home with us and shared that. But I was just struck at, at how, how the physical reality of that, of both the hanging on the cross and the being buried in the tomb and seeing those spaces where that might've actually happened, uh, brought the whole thing to a new understanding, a new life for me, if you will. Yeah. So and John and, like the Gospel of John adds in a lot of these little sort of physical details and and touches, right? There's yes. even when the so Mary goes to the tomb, she's going there to 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 put um, spices and to put uh, scents onto the body, right? The dead body, um, which is a very physical thing, and the body's not there. And she goes and tells Simon Peter and the other unnamed disciple could be anybody could be a fast runner it turns out yeah could be you know um and the other disciple gets there first and i i one of the details in the story that i love is that um, he has to bend down to look into the tomb and and i always sort of envision when he bends down he he rests his hand on something uh, so he rests his hand either on the stone itself, or maybe he has to bend down far enough to rest his hand onto the ground um, itself. And there's there's something about that to me that says if if you want to witness the resurrection, then you have to get dirty in some way. You have to be willing to to place yourself into the spaces of 
destruction into the spaces of despair and desolation and um, to do that you have to you have to put your hand on something right? uh, you have to be willing to experience that or know or get a sense of what that experience is for people you're talking about the different crucifixion sites right uh, we could look at lots of different crucifixion sites anywhere where there is folks are, are crying out for hope or folks are experiencing some sort of devastation um and, and in order for the other disciple to witness that um they have to they have to get their hand dirty in some way or they have to get some dirt on their knees uh, or whatever the case might be but i i just i really like that and i'm drawn to that and that's another sort of physical detail and description in there yeah the the fancy theological word we use for that is is incarnational right mm -hmm. and we talk about jesus being born was the incarnation and and that's from the latin word flesh right jesus became flesh and his ministry is called incarnational ministry it was ministry in the flesh it was a physical ministry and uh as we've done these uh these zoom shows i've I look at the uh, picture behind you of Jesus carrying a sheep. Um, yeah. That's the one. And uh, sheep stink. <laughs> and, and so uh, while that picture behind you is peaceful and of Jesus in a shepherd's scene, uh, if any of you have spent any time in, in fields with sheep, there's, there's, they're dirty and they're stinky. And, uh, and um, for those of us who travel to the Holy Land, um, when we were in the garden tomb, yeah, it, it was dusty. And uh, that disciple, the other disciple had to lean down and get his hand dirty to lean in and see. And uh, I, I imagine Mary Magdalene carrying those spices and the aroma of those spices. When we walked through the city of old Jerusalem, there were spice shops we walked by and the aroma just wafted out. But these are tangible physical things because Jesus life and Jesus ministry and his death and his resurrection are all these tangible physical things in the same way that our lives are tangible and tactile and physical. And Holy Week brings that all into sharp perspective for us. And particularly this Holy Week of 2020, when we're thinking about the coronavirus and everything else, um, and we're thinking about what surfaces we touch, and we're thinking about um, thinking about those who are ill and the physical nature of their illness, not being able to breathe and, and having a fever and how that feels. And we've got to enter into that space this week. As you said, we've got to enter into the space where people are suffering, enter into the space uh, where those people are, 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 in a sense, being crucified, uh, as Jesus did. He entered into that space with the world. God in the world, God in the flesh, incarnational ministry. Yep. Yeah, it's it's um, it's kind of the more that you the more that you ponder that, then then kind of the more profound it comes. Um, and I, uh, yeah. So, um, and I also and we'll talk about this kind of more. In the weeks ahead, I was just still thinking about these physical details and moments. And um, John's Gospel gives us uh, Thomas, who is called the Twin. Uh, it's his actual nickname. <laughs> Not doubting, his actual nickname is the Twin. And um, 
And then another post-resurrection experience, Jesus says, hey, do you love me? Then feed my sheep. Right. Right. <laughs> um, so, but. Well, the, the post-resurrection experience, the, the afternoon after the resurrection, when he's walking on the road uh, to Emmaus with the disciples, right? And they physically walk through the hot, dusty road together for an entire afternoon. And then they arrive and, and, and they haven't recognized him. And yet when they arrive and they offer him hospitality, they say, don't go on for the night, stay here with us. And he gets there and then he, he breaks the bread. There's a physical yeah. aspect. And then we read their eyes were opened and they recognized him. Their eyes were physically opened and they recognized him. And then he disappears from sight, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. But it was, it was in the physical act of them walking together on the road to Emmaus and the physical act of him breaking the bread that their eyes were opened and they recognized him. Because Jesus' ministry is just that, it's incarnational. And therefore, our call to ministry as followers of Jesus Christ must be the same. It is an incarnational ministry. It is a flesh-based ministry where we are physically helping those who need our help. Yeah. So, uh, so will it preach? Huh. <laughs> um, I hope so. It's, uh, <laughs> yeah. No, what I say most Easter's is that my primary job as the preacher is... Uh, to proclaim the hope of the resurrection and then step aside and let the story tell itself. And uh, I, I'm going to do that again this year uh, because the story itself is powerful. And I think the story is made all that much more powerful in the context that we're living in this week. But um, oftentimes we talk about the, the concern, uh, pastor types talk about the concern of, of rushing straight from Palm Sunday to Easter and skipping Holy Week, skipping the darkness, skipping the suffering. Um, We don't have that luxury this year. (laughs) We're there, right? Mm -hmm. It it feels like Good Friday. And um, the Surgeon General yesterday said, this week is going to be our Pearl Harbor. This week is going to be our generation's 9-11. This week, we're going to see the highest number of deaths and the highest number of positive confirmed diagnoses um, possibly in the scope of this entire thing. This is, this, this is our good Friday week. Um, Mm -hmm. We're we're not skipping straight from Palm Sunday to Easter. We're, we're in the depths of this. Um, And it's, it's going to be a tough week. uh, But I think having a community to walk through this week together with having the touch points and the reminders of Monday, Thursday, and Good Friday and Holy Saturday are an important part of this journey that we're taking together so that in fact, when we do proclaim the hope of the resurrection on Sunday, it's that much more powerful. And then we will proclaim the hope of that resurrection. We say every Sunday is a, is a mini Easter, right? Every Sunday is a proclamation of the hope of resurrection, but we, we've got to get through this week and we don't even know what this week has in store for us yet, but uh, we're going to do it together as a family of faith. Amen. Yeah. Should I close us in prayer? I think, I think so. Sure. I'm going to also pull from the, uh, the Lenten devotional guide that was written by so many of our members. And this one is the one that is designated for uh, April 8th, uh, which is Wednesday and written by our member Grant Hunter. And so let's, uh, let's close with a word of prayer. Holy God, 
On this day, let us accept the things we cannot control and find your glory in our everyday tasks, thoughts, and tribulations. We do not have to suffer, for, for you have blessed us with your grace and presence even the small, in even the smallest things in this infinite world. Help us discern our needs for the betterment of the work you, O oh God, guide us in doing today. Amen. Amen. So, until next time, may peace be with you, one and all. Amen.